in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hello from China. Ooh, we're back with the show that you must listen to if you're interested in life in China or learning Chinese. Absolutely, and I just want to thank everyone who has been doing that and also leaving us a review. Those reviews really help. Other people find us and listen to us. This is episode one hundred and seventeen, and Nora's gonna start off with a fact about China for us. You know, Holly, both you and I share a love of dumplings. Oh yeah. So today I wanted to make the fact about dumplings. So I did a little research. According to Wikipedia, a legend goes that dumplings were first invented in China around two hundred and twenty-five A.D., which is around、mm. the Three Kingdoms period. So the story goes that a general dammed up a poison marsh using dumplings. <laughs> no wait, no wait. Instead、okay. of heads. Which is what was typical that the nun men would do. Right. Right. Yeah. So the nun men means southern people. It was.、Uh, it refers to an indigenous people of southern China. We had a discussion before Holly. Remember, we were at a restaurant and I saw a sign that said "manto," that it was selling manto. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been learning more and more Chinese characters,、mm-hmm. and I noticed that "manto" the toe is the same character as a word for head. Yeah. And so I was kind of pondering, like, yeah, we were kind of discussing why.、Mm. Why is it a head? Well, apparently there's a there's a bit of debate whether or not this legend is about the dumplings that we see, <laughs> like jiaozi that we、right. call, or if it's the manto. manto. Yeah. So the toe comes right, from right, it being、right. like a head. Which would have stuffed up a dam. Which why would you use a head? I'm not. I'm not really clear on yeah, this. Yeah, heads. Heads are not massive, are they? Like I feel like you'd need a lot of heads. Yes, you would. I guess if you're lacking in stones or something. I don't know. Anyway,、um, I thought it was interesting, <laughs> and I didn't、so. realize dumplings had been around for that long. No, me neither. I thought I was hoping you were going to tell me like how many dumplings people eat every day in China or something. Ooh, that's next week's, please. Indeed, <laughs> I'll bring that. To And、show. I want you to also compare it to like how many elephants that would be, <laughs> like with the rice. With, yeah, exactly.、Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My news this week is: I'm hoping if you're interested in Chinese culture that you keep on top of like the news and stuff, and not just listen to my strange news articles. Recently, the Chinese version of Twitter, Weibo, announced that they no longer wanted content on their platform that was to do with being gay. Or basically, they lumped everything together. They said we're going to remove pornography, violence, cartoons. <laughs> And any、uh, and gay videos. Not exactly sure what that means. So last week there was a huge backlash against Weibo, who that's not cool at all. First of all, like what does what what is a gay video? And secondly, you can't lump everything in together and say that this you know that homosexuality is a, is the same as pornography. That's just outrageous. Anyone can agree with that. I think. Well, not everyone, <laughs> but we. I I am anyway. There have been activists. Who created a video, and they went out onto the streets in Chengdu, and they wore T-shirts that said, "I'm gay. Would you hug me?"、Hmm. And they were blindfolded, and they just waited on the streets with their arms open, and just waited to see if people would hug them. <laughs> 
This is so weird because in Chinese culture, hugging, hugging in is, general is yeah, it's really awkward. Yeah, we've definitely talked about that recently. Like, it's not very common to see, and it's very awkward when you see Chinese people hugging. Well, you, when 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 you do, it's it's rare. I would I I think, and when you like we. And I'm not a huggy person either, but I have hugged Chinese people and it's a bit awkward. Yeah, that did come to me when I was watching this video. I thought, is this going to happen? Because people don't really do hugs here. I've got to say, I had more than just a lump in my throat when I watched this video. Because there was a guy stood in the street and it was like tense. Like, I could feel myself thinking, like, who is, who's going to be the first person to hug this guy? Of course, he's blindfolded. He doesn't know what's going on. And this young couple walk past in just on the street and the guy's with his girlfriend, they're holding hands and I guess, I, I'm watching from the front, but I'm guessing he has the same thing on the back of his t-shirt and he drops the hand of his girlfriend, he goes over and he picks up this lad and hugs him and swings him around <laughs> like in this really awesome like bear hug. Oh, and I was just like, oh, brilliant. Okay, great. This is like, this was a start. And slowly but surely, people would go up to this lad and they started to hug him. And there were some awkward hugs, but there were some really genuine hugs too. And I, I just thought that was awesome. Wow. And I'm not, I'm, I, you know, like I'm, I'm not gay, <laughs> and I'm not like I, I guess I have to be honest. Like LGBTQ it, things are not like on the top, and I can't call myself an activist or anything. But it was really touching. Oh. Uh, yeah. So this was a video on YouTube, which I will, so I'll share that on our show notes. Yeah, this is a significant change. I mean, mm -hmm. China is very conservative. Did you know that homosexuality was banned until 1997? I know it was considered a um, in this video a disease yeah, until the 90s. Yeah. yeah, but it's interesting because homosexuality has been around in China for a long time. So I'm not sure when the ban <laughs> started, but I I believe it must have started only in, also in the 20th century. So I. I doubt the that ban? the ban. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So I doubt that the ban was very long. I mean, right. if you read, there are a lot of very racy books, texts written, yeah. yeah, throughout history in China that have very explicit content regarding the nature of, of homosexual re relationships behind palace walls. This is like more for the cultural elite. It's all over the world. It's I mean, it's like that in every ancient culture. I feel like it's just, but people just try and like push it down. I guess. Mm -hmm. Even though China's culture is more conservative than most Western countries, I I still think that they treat sexuality in general with let's say like less interest almost yeah. than in the west i just don't think it's a big deal here like you see we've talked about this a lot in other episodes there are women who like to dress like men yep this is quite common who who they actually like it when you mistake or at least i've met several who their friends will be like guess if guess if this person's a man mm -hmm. or a woman and they like yeah. it if you get it wrong yeah, and the yeah. person's sitting right there and they're smiling at you. You know, I've, ha I've had this situation mm -hmm. more than once in China. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of women here who have their hair cut really short and yeah. they wear male watches and they're dressed with male clothing yeah. and they, I, I guess they identify as male and it's just not seen as a big deal here. I, yeah. Whereas I feel like in the West you hear all this like, we're fighting for our rights and there's a lot of media attention around the culture, the subculture. In China it's just not really a big deal. But I do think China a lot of times follows Western trends, like feminism is also kind of surfacing around China. I think people 
They want to have an individual voice. People want to identify as something special and unique and fight for a cause, and I think that's part of it. They see these kind of things happening around the world, and they're like, me too, me too. I don't see a whole lot of organic grassroots movements starting out of China. They seem to be just kind of adopted from the West, but that's also me. I don't know. I don't read. I can't. <laughs> I still consume most of my media in English because it just takes me twice as long to try to read it in Chinese. And so I'm probably missing a lot of what's going on in the subcultures here, but that's my overall impression. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you with that comment about everything, like all this news that even this news I'm giving you now, it's all been, it was all in Chinese originally and there's, there's so much content out there. But yeah, they have also borrowed that like Me Too thing. But it's not, it definitely hasn't progressed as much as it has in the in the West. I think a lot of these movements are based on the individual and like the individual's struggle. And in China, you know, we've, we've discussed it's more about a collective mentality. And so you may be slightly different from your peers or family members but you should i mean a good chinese son or daughter should do their best to fit into the mold in order to maintain a strong family unit so they kind of sacrifice this individuality in order to not distract from the whole like the family at its core does that make any sense in the west if you're gay people generally wouldn't i mean this happened in the past but people generally today wouldn't marry someone of the opposite sex just yeah. to please the family. I mean, eventually it seems like seems like most people these days tend to come out and express them. There's not as much fear, I think. Yeah, I think they don't feel as pressured to fit into societal norms. But in China, those norms are really, really important. And I'm talking about all aspects of life. And so I think you'd find a lot more people who will sacrifice their individual differences in order to fit into what's acceptable here. Yeah, well, there are a lot of fake marriages that exist where there's a woman who's gay and a man who's gay and they get married, but kind of in secret. So that's like for sure, for fit, like to show both families, okay, look, you know, we, we got married, but actually in secret, they're having their own relationships with people of the same sex. Well, that's a good point. And also, the idea of this Hollywood-style romance, first of all, just even in the West, has been relatively new. I mean, people used to get married to whoever was closest to them and relatively suitable. It's not, it wasn't about, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It wasn't about like, there's one person in the world for you. And this idea of true love, true love and happy <laughs> ending is not really part of I mean, it's become part of Chinese culture recently because of TV and movies. But still, I see most of the couples that I know, even heterosexual couples, I don't see the same kind of romance no. between them that you see in the West. Yeah. I, and in a way, it makes them more stable yeah. because they kind of separate. Like, this is my family. I've chosen this partner very pragmatically. Um, and we are building a family together because we have equal or or close to equal assets that we're bringing to the relationship and we're pairing them together so that our both of our family lines will continue into the future 
in a stable way, like it's all about building that stability. It's not about, oh, you, you know, a lot of the families that I know, the, the mom will go off traveling by herself, the husband will go off traveling mm -hmm. by himself, you know, and never the twain shall meet. They just kind of have their separate lives, mm. but they construct the family life together. Like they'll live in the same house, but then they'll kind of each have their own lives going, they're just kind of going parallel to each other. I do sometimes see older couples walking down the street like holding hands and I think there must be romance, you know, for some people I think. Oh, for some people, yeah. But I think it's not the norm in no, China. I yeah, think it's I not the, oh, you're not marrying the love of yeah. your life? What's wrong with you? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, does he have, uh, is he financially stable? What yeah. are his what do his parents do you know you just kind of check it's more black and white in fact <laughs> the other day i posted a picture on instagram my personal instagram account that's nora the nomad if i'm gonna say it out you've, you've done it now you've done it now i've done it yeah follow you'll be me flooded by everyone <laughs> spamming you <laughs> Please, uh, if you're interested, go ahead. Go for it. Um, so I posted a picture of a marriage market going on in mm. Lian, uh, Lianhuashan, the park in, big park in Shenzhen. So, and actually the, neither the sons nor the daughters are there. It's all like, a lot of it it's actually behind look their back, like, I think. Maybe so. A lot of them actually look like grandma, grandpa, not even mom and dad, but they're there. They bring like basically a resume of their child. Mm. Height <laughs> is always on there. Um, and the photo, and then, you know, the school that they went to, what grades that they got, you know, what job they have, their salary, do they have a car, do they own an apartment, like, all these things that's listed out, and then they try to match between each other. Yeah, yeah. and set up dates, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's not even dates, is it? It's like, let's get these two married. What are they doing? Like, they're perfect. They're the same height. Yep, you're reaching 27. You're going to be a leftover woman. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. But I think it kind of fits into this whole article. I mean, you'll, you'll definitely see more and more, I think, of these kind of activists coming out. But I don't think it will have the same impact on society as it does in the West. That's mm. my opinion. I feel like these things are very short-lived, just with a lot of things with Chinese social media. It'll, like, kick off and things will go viral and, like, everyone's everyone's talking about it. And then next week it'll be something else. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's that fast, I think. Mm -hmm. The turnover. It is really interesting to see that, though, because it is a great cultural shift. Mm -hmm. Since I've even been living in China, this would not have happened nine years ago. Right. Yeah. All right then. So shall we uh, listen to our question? This comes from Jessica in New Hampshire. So take it away, Jessica. Hey, Holly and Nora. This is Jessica calling from the USA, uh, New Hampshire. My question for you ladies is, does China have small town living? So I teach English to genius little Chinese children every morning, and they are always surprised to find out that I live in the country on purpose. When I explain that I don't live in the city, their number one question is, why? We don't really have the English comprehension to go into detail, um, but I'm guessing my answer of wanting land and privacy is not a thing there. I don't know. Maybe that's just my ignorance. Um, I also show them my horses and say, you know, I couldn't have them in the city 
which they understand, but I really think they just pity me for being a country bumpkin. <laughs> so, yeah, does small town living exist in China? Or is it city and rural? That's all I really hear about, those two kind of extremes. Is there anything in the middle? My town has 5,000 people. We're half an hour from the nearest major grocery store. And yes, we do this on purpose. <laughs> so thanks, Holly and Nora. Can't wait to hear uh, your take on this. Bye. I, I can just imagine these kids like just being so... Like, you want to live in the countryside? <laughs> Actually, though, that, that surprised me a little bit, that the kids would be so taken aback. What do you, what do you think? Because my initial feeling to this was these kids have probably been in their, what the Chinese refer to as, like, hometown, you know, like, where their maybe grandparents were from or parents were from. So they know that it exists and that not everyone lives in the city. I think maybe we should make first a distinction like what Jessica was talking about, which is very common also where I'm from in Wisconsin, is people who actually enjoy living away from other people. Okay, so they like like the peace and quiet, they yeah. like the nature, yeah. they prefer not to live around other people. I don't see that in China. Even in the no. villages... They all lived crammed together. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I have to be honest, when I feel like I know what a sm what small town is, but I feel like we don't really have that much in the UK because everything's small anyway. When I was researching for this, I found a lot of thing, a lot of articles saying go to small towns, but these small towns still have millions of people. That's I mean, a small town in the UK is like is thousands, just like Jessica was saying. Where she's from, there's a population of five thousand. Well, that doesn't exist here. Like, oh, there are there are I mean smaller towns. Yeah, but, but still, but not the really. people live on top of each other. That's yeah. my like. That's that's kind of like what I'm I'm trying to convey here is that you will not have a small town like in Wisconsin. You might have a small like unincorporated town that has a hundred or two hundred people in it. Yeah. And the houses will be real spread out, and there'll be, like, a lot of farms yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but to me, that's still rural, though. So what? how do you define, what's the difference between rural living and small-town living? Because in my opinion, that was sort of the same, but then my when I heard Jessica's question, I was like, is it different? Like, are farms, like, people who are farming, is that different to small-town living? Or do you put it together? It's hard for me to distinguish the two, just because Wisconsin, like, right. my... It's like, it's together. It's almost it's like one of the same. Yeah, where there are small towns, there are farms. Yeah, and I think it's the same in the UK. I would say it's the same in the UK too. Mm -hmm. Like um, my my aunt and uncle, they moved out of Hartlepool, which isn't in itself a small town. It's only hundred thousand population, and they moved to this small, like cutesy. But it's a village. Like it's not maybe that small town living. You know, nearby there's maybe a, a bigger town <laughs> that has like a high street with small shops and maybe a small supermarket is that i mean i guess that's i guess that's what we're talking about right yeah i guess the definition is also different for you because yeah. you can get from one end of the country right. to the other in the course of a day i mean if you drive all day whereas yeah. in the states that's not going to happen no. so you just have these vast areas of where there are people who literally live in the wilderness yeah oh really far away 
from other people and other towns and who enjoy that living, I don't think that really exists in China. There may be one-offs here and there. I mean, I remember reading a story about a guy who lived in, it was like near Inner Mongolia, and he was living far away from the village, Mm. but he was close enough that he could walk to like a shop. I mean, it took him a long time, but it was close enough. He wasn't that remote. So I don't think like you would, like in the States, a lot of times you'll be driving in the countryside and you'll see like a mansion basically. Yeah, we have, we have that's the same thing. But yeah, the distance, yeah, it's different to like to, to compare them because when you say isolate, when you say house on its own, because of the size of your country, the distance between that house and another one, yeah, is going to be massive, isn't it? Whereas a house that's isolated in the UK, there's going to be another house like within a mile or two. Right. But that, and it's, it's isolated because, because it is. Because <laughs> there isn't, there aren't houses overlooking, but just because there's not, not as much space as there is for you guys. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, that's not, when I was thinking small town, that's not what I was going for. I wasn't thinking isolation. Okay. See, I'm taking it as the people who, cause even like, so the town that I grew up in, it's a actually relatively populated town for mm-hmm. Wisconsin. It's got about 10,000 people. But there are quite a few people who live just slightly outside of the town. Right. Um, and they have just like big plots of land and some raise horses or yeah. sheep or sure. something. And they have these really nice houses. I mean, yeah. these are not lower class families. No. These are upper middle class yeah. families. And they have a beautiful mm. home just set in the country. That doesn't happen no, in China. No, that's, yeah. I think that Chinese people me. will have a hard time understanding why a person would spend so much money to build a house that nobody else is going to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, although I have been, I, a while back, I went with some of, so Barrett's students, parents, like, invited us to go on a trip. It wasn't too far out of the city. It was, I mean, it was two hours, but. That's not really that far. <laughs> and it was like this complex of houses, but it was almost like a resort. There were people living there. And for me, that's the closest thing I've ever found to small town living because there was nothing else around. Like you would have to drive quite far to find a restaurant or a shop. It was a small town in itself with quite nice houses in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't like little, it wasn't like a shanty town. It was like a proper town, but far away from everything else. But were the houses themselves close together? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're still, yeah. like, smashed yeah, together. Yeah, they're still together. Yeah, because it was, like, it was, I mean, it's, like, uh, I'm trying to think how to describe it. I, we don't have them in the UK, really, but um, I'm trying to think of, like, where Barrett lives. His parents' home is is sort of out of the town, but it's got its own complex, you know, do you know what I mean? Well, is it a gated community? Can't, yeah, basically like that. Okay. That makes it sound posh. I don't know if it's posh or not. It's nice to me. <laughs> it's got a little lake in the middle. That's posh to me. But I'm not sure if this is a standard across the US, like in, in towns, and uh, like cities. Mm, yeah, pro- it sounds like a gated community. Yeah. I mean, there are range, there's a range of types of sure. communities sure. like that. If we're going on like... People with money choosing to live by themselves, that, yeah, that does not happen here. If you live in the countryside, you're there because, for the most part, it's cheaper to live. Or, or you you're grow, a farmer. You're a farmer, yeah, you're growing your own crops. Which is, yeah, something I actually wrote down, like, I often, at certain times of the year, I've had people give me, like, fruit 
and said like this is the best fruit from this small town like you need to eat this these peaches or whatever like my grandfather grows these and you're just like it does they always do taste amazing mm -hmm. I have to say yeah I remember one of our employees his father or grandfather actually had a mango mm. I don't know if you'd call it a plantation grove, grove? Man, yeah, yeah man, grove. Man, plant it, yeah mm -hmm. one of those yeah one of those <laughs> A bunch of mango trees lumped together and they would bring mangoes and they were so good. So good. But yeah, I think modern Chinese people, it's not attractive for them to work in the farms. So it's it's hard for them to understand why a person would choose to do that. Like yeah. in Wisconsin, you still have people who, they have university degrees or even master's degrees. And then they go into agriculture and they run farms right. because actually there's a lot of money in that or they just enjoy it or you know they just enjoy the atmosphere i mean it's part of our kind of like a part of our tradition mm -hmm. like most of our ancestors did that kind of work at some point i feel like somebody yeah in our family line was a farmer of some some kind because there yeah. was just a lot of land to farm and people were not relying on shops and stuff to buy they were very self-sustaining yeah yeah and, and now uh, i'm sh i mean i know it's the same in the u.s People are like getting into like artisanal cheeses and making their own things, making their own jams and cheese and all those things. That's becoming like really popular now. So yeah, people are voluntarily going out of the cities to set up homes and not factories, obviously, but <clears throat> small workshops, I guess, mm -hmm. to produce whatever they're making. Yeah, so it's very different. It's hard to compare. I think. What Jessica is referring to does not exist. She said, does small yeah. town living exist? And I, I think I, the yeah. answer is no, yeah. not in the way that you're imagining it. When yeah. people say small town in China, as Holly said, it's usually like still 100,000 people at least. Like I was living in a so-called small town in Chengdu and it had like over 300,000 yeah. people in it. And it was like, oh, it's just a small town near Chengdu. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was massive. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you can sometimes, if you're traveling, you're on the road, you'll sometimes go through these small, like, village-type things, but the people living there are, yeah, probably working the land and that kind of thing, and the, the houses are kind of higgledy-piggledy in a qu quaint kind of way. They're like, there aren't going to be any rich people living in that neck of the wood, I think. Mm -mm. Mm. But it, it is, I, I don't know if you remember, a few episodes ago, one of my news articles was about the amount of people, young people actually returning to, like, hometowns because they're able to work remotely now if they have jobs where they can do their, their work online. It's cheaper for them to live. But again, that's not the same thing. That's just, like going back to hometowns, which, as you say, could still have several thousand, a uh, hundred thousand people in those towns, but that's just considered small. <laughs> it's really hard to understand. Yeah. The, you know, everybody knows, like, China is a super populous country, but it's really hard to understand it unless you actually see it with your own eyes and you're, you can, you hear people refer to things which you think are massive as small, and it's yeah. just like... I go home and all of the our biggest cities in the United States look so tiny mm -hmm. to me now after living in Shenzhen. It's yeah. just, it's difficult to compare the two realities and put in the, because also culturally it's so different. So mm -hmm. putting it into the context. So I do understand the, you know, how dumbfounded these students must be. Yeah to find that why like why would you ever want to live out by yourself in mm. the middle of nowhere they yeah. they they think more people is better they only go to the restaurants that are packed 
They trust the herd. They're, this is so deeply ingrained in their culture, and so this is very alien for them to imagine a house on a hill in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and I guess, back on the kids thing, if you're out there in the sticks, there aren't going to be any schools for your kids to go to. Not not really, not good ones anyway. And that's, all, like, if you've listened to our other episodes, you might have heard how serious seriously parents take that i mean as do most parents like take their kids education seriously but this is like a step up from anything you can imagine like the amount of pressure and the there's a phrase um known as their tiger moms and these are mothers who like put so much pressure on their kids and the children don't have any free time for themselves you know it's from 5 a.m in the morning till 10 o'clock at night they are what you know it's all about the 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 schoolwork Mm -hmm. that's actually a really good point holly like why would you spend money to live in a house where you wouldn't have any school district attached to it basically like in the states even if you live somewhere remote you'll you'll just go to the closest town and most of these places the public well, at least in Wisconsin, the public education system is quite good. And mm-hmm. so it's not a problem to just choose any old public school for at least elementary, you know, for prior to going to university. Just pick any old school and they'll, they'll come out of school with a similar yeah. education as other students. But I think in China, the gap is much bigger, you know, the rural schools versus the city schools. Yeah. So that's a really good point that definitely adds to the whole topic. I, um, I did, before we kind of probably should have done that before we uh, started to record, decide what a small town was, although the debate in itself has been interesting for me. <laughs> um, I looked at sort of um, foreigners in small towns, and I, I didn't find an awful lot, to be honest. Although I, I did find um, there's a very popular English training centre, which I'm not going to give them any free promotion. Um, they had a blog post about why foreigners should go to small towns when they come to China. And they, w- they were saying, like, I mean, the, the obvious, you know, you're going to get fresh fruit and vegetables, you're going to learn. There's no one, there aren't going to be any of the foreigners there, so you're going to learn the language, you know, immerse yourself with the, with the locals and that kind of thing. And you're going to have a slow pace of life if that's what you fancy. Because I think to a lot of people, coming to this kind of city is... It's a bit crazy until you've gotten... I mean, I'm sure there are people still here, like, who are in Shenzhen who really hate the hustle and bustle. Well, mm. Shenzhen in particular is quite a fast-paced city. Yeah. Even compared to, like, going back to Chengdu, where I lived before, also a massive city. I couldn't tell you how many millions of people. I'd say between 15 and 20 million people, something like that. So it's definitely a massive city, and it's been a cultural hub in China for a long time, but the pace of living there is way slower than here. Just people relax. They take time to relax. I mean, Shenzhen, I think Shanghai, Beijing, they're all pretty quick. So should we do a Chinese word of the day? Yes, please. All right. So today's word is a word for village, and that's nong cun. So if you are curious about learning Chinese, or if you're already learning Chinese, Holly will put the link in the show notes. That's writtenchinese.com slash episode 117. Yeah, I will. Yeah, and I will link to Nora's Fact and my YouTube video. While you're there, you might also want to check out the Written Chinese Dictionary app. Uh, so if you're learning Chinese or fancy learning Chinese, um, you can download that for free and you can learn how to write characters, you can make flashcards, you can make a flashcard set so that you can study new words. So all the words that we have 
for the two white chicks episodes you can just add them all into your own flashcard set and learn them all so send us a voicemail if you have questions about life in china writtenchinese.com slash voicemail we're waiting for you have a great week everybody bye bye (laughs) 